we as individuals, while cognizant of problems, it's not until the ground immediately underneath our feet begins to crumble that we begin to address the problems. It's a complex world out there. It seems to take forever. There is disappointment, which is natural. Resilience is about hope. Most of our ideas come from just listening. Ask a courageous question. It feels good to be able to do something positive for people. You are a force multiplier. Welcome to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood. I'm Gene Natale, co-founder and a CEO of Troutwood. Today, we're going to follow up on last week's episode, which was emergency preparedness, and specifically talk about liquidity. My colleague Rachel Brumba is joining. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Gene. I'm glad to be back. Well, and I'm glad you slacked me because you you had a follow up after listening to the emergency preparedness episode. And Rachel, what specifically was your question? So my question is, when does liquidity become dangerous? Um, and I say that because everybody's worried about getting their money when we start talking about, you know, holding it up in an emergency fund. But when is too much? I guess when is the, the line for I have too much access versus this is a true emergency? Rachel, first, let's define liquidity. And there's two parts to liquidity. Can I get my money? And how long will it take? Yep. That's liquidity in a nutshell. So where does the danger of that come in? In, in my mind, the danger comes into liquidity if it takes, if the, if the answer to can I get my money is no, and if the answer to how long is a long time, that's called illiquid. You gave a really good analogy when we were talking that sparked my interest. You said, Gene, it's great. Everyone talks about emergency preparedness, but it's like, it's like, you know, how many people have a fire exit plan in their house? And the old firefighter may cringed at that comment um, because, of course, we have one. Uh, but I think you're right. Not many of us do. And there is heavy analysis that we as individuals, while cognizant of problems, it's not until the ground immediately underneath our feet begins to crumble that we begin to address the problems. And that's what makes emergency preparedness in this blended conversation into liquidity such a difficult conversation to have. I almost define it differently than you do because you're saying it's dangerous when you can't get it fast enough. But from my perspective, I almost find liquidity dangerous when it's too easy in certain situations. So if I if I wanted to pull money out of my 401k, it's not hard. But I don't think a lot of people understand the long-term effects of that ability for you to pull out money. Um, for example, I know a lot of my friends who have done the right thing, put money in their 401k, and then couple years down the line, they're ready to buy a house and they have this option of a 401k loan. So the money is accessible, but should it be? Well, the answer is of course, no. Uh, but the temptation is real. Statistics on the average 401k size. So I'm going to use Vanguard's numbers from 2021. The average 401k balance was 
$1,500. So it's increasing uh, from years prior to that, but it's not enough. And while the money is a temptation, a personal story that comes to mind, Rachel, when you bring that up, I had a friend who in their mid-30s liquidated their entire 401k. The dollar amount was roughly 30000 35000 in the 401k. And this family thought they were making a smart money move to liquidate their 401k and pay cash for a vehicle. They just had their second child and were, were upgrading to a minivan. We know, uh, because we've had this conversation enough, that the opportunity cost of that choice is going to make it one of the worst financial decisions that that family ever made. And I don't, I don't fault them. I don't blame them. Our education system had not prepared them to make this choice. They had the best of intentions. And in their mind, they were buying an asset to solve a problem, i.e. needing a car, a room in a car for a second child. And they had this capital, to your point, in an easily accessible place, their 401k where they knew they could get it if they need it. Am I heading the right direction, Rachel, with your concerns? Is that example in line with kind of what you're thinking of the temptation? I think, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's most important in the temptation standpoint when we talk about emergency preparedness and not only defining liquidity, but also defining an emergency. Um, it's easy for us to know a fire is an emergency. I need a plan. But there comes a point where it's, like you said, it was a problem. They had more kids than they had room for in their car. But where does the line come between the opportunity cost is too high and I need this money right now? In an example like the one I just shared. Exactly. The, yeah. the monthly payment of that minivan was the smarter decision here. Now, obviously, we don't know the whole picture. We don't know what their interest rate was. We don't know what their credit score was. That's what makes personal finance kind of holistic. There, There is no near-term decision, though, that can come at the expense. At this point in this family's career, they had 13 years of saving in their 401k. In theory, it was going to take 13 years to get back to where they were with their savings. Um, these are real choices. They're choices that, that people make every day. It's why the conversations we have are so important. Let me like let me let me take the work kind of from the top down on what liquidity means. And maybe Rachel we even pretend to be like, okay, if we're this family, what other choices did we have? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll give a personal example. The most liquid currency cash asset we have is the cash that's in our wallet or in my case, my, my sock drawer for when we get babysitters. Um, you know, it's, it's accessible. It's there. If I get forgetful and my wife and I decide to head out for a date night, the, the money's there. You know, second most liquid is our banking and our checking account. Can make the drive to the ATM and boom, I get the cash in hand very quickly. When I do this example in class, Rachel, there is a big pause after those three. Cash on hand, banking, checking account. Those are the three most liquid sources of of getting money that any of us has. I think that's why they're so difficult to give up when we talk about something like emergency preparedness. When we talk about emergency preparedness, we don't talk about putting money in your sock drawer. We talk about putting it somewhere that you can't get it. And that's when the conundrum comes in of nobody necessarily is excited to talk about emergency preparedness, but when you restrict their access, 
all of a sudden that money becomes really important. Mm -hmm. And let's define an emergency as a health emergency or as job loss. And I need, I need money to pay the bills, like mm -hmm. put food on the table. And if we define an emergency that way, we're not going to have enough cash on hand, i.e. my wallet to, to cover those expenses that can cover a date night. It can't cover a month of bills. It can't cover a hospital procedure. Banking and checking in theory can, right? That, that would that fit? That'd be quick enough for you to access. The other pieces, and I'm really proud of the work that our development team is doing behind the scenes. We have an emergency toolkit that will be very holistic, but the way an emergency toolkit works is you build it, you put the lock on the toolkit, and you kind of put it on the shelf until you need it. Right. And, and Rachel, let's get a little holistic in this conversation. Imagine you and I are standing on a stage talking to a graduating senior class at a local high school. And we're talking about this concept of emergency preparedness and introducing the financial concept of liquidity, which I don't love the word liquidity. It's one of those financy terms that you just don't feel good when you say. And all 100 of these students in that auditorium have been taught. They have a good personal finance teacher in this example. They know they need emergency preparedness funding. Statistically, how many of them are going to need to access it in year one after school or year two or year three? How many are going to need it year five, year 10? That's where this conversation gets very difficult because maybe one in year one, maybe two in year two, maybe one in year five, maybe two in year seven. It's different. So while we all need an emergency fund, my opinion is this is one piece of a larger financial plan, which is why we do take this more holistic piece. When we talked last week in the podcast, we introduced the concepts of Roth IRA and 401k as part of an emergency plan. Because remember, we're defining emergency, not like the example I gave of buying a minivan. Mm -hmm. An emergency, yes, as I have an emergency medical procedure that's life-threatening. I did unfortunately lose my job, which happened to millions of Americans in, in COVID. Uh, that emergency situation is where you've got to be able to access. And that emergency situation, while yes, technically speaking, a 401k is illiquid. If we define liquidity as needing it immediately, i.e. today. But we can get that money for the emergencies that you and I just defined, health, job loss. In fact, we can get that money automatically transferred into our bank account in a matter of days. That's no, why I thought it was so important to talk about the liquidity of investments, because that's what initially, once I understood it from your perspective, gave me the OK button inside my head to start a Roth IRA. Because I, too, when I thought about it, I was like, well, what if something happens and I can't get my money? Mm -hmm. But it's not when you hear illiquid, it's really scary. Um, and for something like 401k, we know that, yes, there's probably going to be a tax penalty or a fee for pulling it out early. But when you told me about the power of the Roth IRA and the fact that, you know, my contributions are mine um, and I can still invest, I can still get the growth potential of my money working for me in the market. But I still have access to what I contribute in my Roth IRA. I was like, okay, well, let's press go because mm -hmm. it's still there. I think it takes about three days for my account with Charles Schwab to get access to my contributions, which, like you said, it's less than my bank account where I can swipe my card. 
But for those three true emergency cases, I sleep really well at night knowing that I am investing for my future and for an emergency fund at the same time, which is why to me, the Roth IRA is just this rock star of an account that not a lot of people know about or use. Um, well, and Rachel, they, let me tell you why we're like why we take the angle this angle on emergency preparedness and liquidity. Do you have a pension fund? I do not. Which means you are responsible for saving for your financial future, and you are like most Americans, the heavy percentage. With a pension fund, historically, which was the the most popular, most prevalent source of retirement in America, retirement type, that that's going away. And that's why this more holistic approach for emergency fund has to expand past the three to six month in a checking account conversation to if I'm socking everything I have into this emergency preparedness for when things really go bad, I'm doing so at the expense of my savings and my investing. And if I don't have a pension fund, no one else is doing it for me. So that makes this conversation extremely important. Uh, I think we want to continue having this and continue to get one, I appreciate so much that you asked this question, that you gave the analogy you did because it's it's factual. You know, most of us don't make plans for how to get out of our house in a fire, but we should. And here's the, the sad reality of that. It only takes a couple minutes to do it. And I'll, I'll conclude with an analogy. And we've certainly drifted a little bit from the liquidity, but I think it, I think it's important because this is a, a, a really, really important conversation. When the emergency happens, our thinking becomes more emotional than cognitive. And specifically to April and May of 2020, when folks and families were losing their job in COVID, I mean, my stomach sank for those families. Just imagining the emotion of wondering if you could put food on the table for your kids. That's an emergency. In that setting, it is so much more difficult to plan your next step. And that's why I wanted to find this concept of an emergency toolkit, lock it, and only open it when you enter the emergency because you thought about it from a position of strength. You build it when you had a good job. You build it when it was easy to put food on the table, and you build it when you were thinking clearly on how to maximize the value of the tools in that emergency toolkit. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, in, in what you just said, that we're not saying that emergencies don't happen saying that you're not going to have to open that lockbox, but usually if you are in a state of emergency, you're not asking yourself, is this an emergency? You know, and you've made a plan. And that's why you want to have one in place so you don't have to go through the steps of what to do when you're already in crisis mode, is essentially what I think you were saying there too. Rachel, we'll consider this conversation. I'll, I'll bring us back to the topic, to the title. Um, again, liquidity, it's a finance term. And it refers to how much and how quickly you can access cash in an emergency. And again, we'll define emergency as health-related or job loss. Understanding money liquidity is an important part of an emergency plan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood.